my eyes when I'm going to bed. Afraid you crack the phone down over my head. Why are all American girls so rough? Damn, a girl can't ever hurt you enough. Lady, lady, you knock me on my knees and I can't stand up. And welcome into the Most Accurate Podcast. Uh, 444.com is the Most Accurate Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Stalter. Alongside me is my co-host, John Paulson. He's the senior editor of 444.com. And John, fingers crossed... I think that we have solved all of our audio issues for this podcast, and hopefully we're going to be running smooth. Oh, man, now you jinxed us. (laughs) How are you doing today outside of Aaron Rodgers? Yeah, uh, I'm hoping that's that's a six- or eight-week thing instead of a full-season thing, but I I haven't seen the latest uh, on that. They probably won't let us know for another few days. But, um, yeah, kind of in mourning about that. They were just getting the offensive line healthy. and uh, it's just another lost season for Aaron Rodgers, it looks like. It's unfortunate. At least he didn't lose to Jay Cutler at home as a 14-point favorite, though. I guess there's, there's that. Yeah, that, that's, that's, cer- that, that's certainly embarrassing. And, and uh, I just wanted to mention, though, that you still have your quarterback healthy. So you got that. <laughs> True. Yeah, yeah. I guess, I guess I'll, it beats the alternative. Uh, tell us about the music, and then we'll yeah, dive this into Yeah, this is a tougher song to find, I think, for listeners. It's not on Spotify, unfortunately, but it's a, a band called Homie, and it's a track called American Girls, uh, which was on the 1998 uh, soundtrack for a movie called Meet the Deedles. I don't know if you remember. That's your favorite movie, right? Meet the Deedles with... Uh, it's one of my yeah. Paul one of Walker my. actually started it. It looks like it's a comedy. I don't remember seeing it. There's, it's like a surfer movie. It looks like anyway. Uh, the track is you know is is good. It's got uh, Rivers Cuomo uh, as the lead singer. Uh, it's a former member Matt Sharp of uh, Weezer as well. And then there's Greg Brown who was a member of Cake. And then the drummer is uh, Yuval Gabay who was the drummer for who is the drummer for Soul Coughing. And the, and the track uh, really sounds like a, a, a mix of those three bands with, with Cuomo singing uh, the, kind of the cake guitars and then uh, uh, Gabay sound coughing uh, his drums. So it's a, it's a cool track. I know it's up on YouTube. You can find it elsewhere. Um, unfortunately, it's not available on Spotify, but maybe you can find it for purchase elsewhere. All right, very good. Today on the podcast, we'll go over the injuries, in, including – the massive injury in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers. We'll also get to some RBBCs, uh, kind of a muddled group in New England. So you got uh, Jarek McKinnon, as John predicted. He, he took off last week. We'll go through all the situations there, and we'll wind up with some injury news surrounded the, surrounding the Monday night football game. Let's start off, though, John, unfortunately, with Aaron Rodgers. He broke his clavicle yesterday or broken collarbone. He's going to miss at least eight weeks, if not the entire season. So what's, you know, what is Aaron Rodgers' owners to do, and how does Brett Hundley now impact guys like Jordy Nelson, Devontae Adams, and um, Randall Cobb? Well, I'm going to gripe for a minute first because there's a tendency, I don't know if you noticed, but the offensive line play in general seems to be, across the league, it seems to be going down. Uh, there are lots of injuries, uh, bigger, faster, stronger players, yet bone density and 
ligament strength are the same. And uh, it just seems like we're having more and more injuries in the offensive line plays as part of that. And that's leading to more quarterback hits. And in this particular hit, it didn't get flagged. Uh, it was after the pass had been thrown. Um, and it was, uh, was it Anthony Barr? Is that his name? Anthony yes. Barr. Yep. Uh, there's a tendency for defensive players to, as they tackle the quarterback, to put to totally land on them, like to try to put all their weight to crush the quarterback, essentially. And I've, I've noticed it over the last several years that that you know a lot of these 300 pound defensive linemen landing on you uh, after launching themselves is is gonna is gonna hurt. Now it didn't get flagged. It wasn't. I don't think he'll get fined or anything like that. But it just seems like there's uh, a way to uh, to tackle without actually injuring or trying to injure the opponent. I, I know that you know it's football and the the Vikings' chances of winning uh, were certainly enhanced if Barr could knock him out for the game. But unfortunately, he's knocked out for eight or nine games. And uh, looking at Hundley, I don't think they're going to run out and like try to find another quarterback. I got asked about Tony Romo and um, Colin Kaepernick on Twitter, and you know maybe they might look at one of those guys as a backup. I doubt Romo would want to come out of uh, retirement to be the backup to to Hundley, but oh, excuse me, um, he's he's been good. He's been in the system. Hundley has been in the system for three years. I think he's they're looking at him as their quarterback. And you know how many times have we seen it where a backup comes in in week zero, whenever the injury or week one, whatever, whenever the injury occurs, and they come in part time and they don't look very good, and then they have a full week of practice the following week and they come out looking a lot better uh in their first start uh, i think that'll be sean watson yeah. is a prime example of that earlier this year i think you throw some of these young quarterbacks into the fire in the middle of the game when they didn't have full reps that week this is also a tough situation coming into minnesota they obviously have a very good defense uh the packers were down both tackles uh so it wasn't much pass protection either so i think with a full week of uh, preparation he'll he'll look better uh, he has looked very good in the preseason when he's have his ch- had his chance. He's thrown for 1,179 yards over three preseasons, uh, completed 98 of 148 passes. That's 66.2%. Uh, that's a 7.97 yards per attempt. Uh, it's 10 touchdowns uh, versus two interceptions in that span, so a 6.8% touchdown rate, 1.4% in- interception rate. Uh, these are all very good numbers. Obviously, it's the preseason, so he's, he's playing against uh, second and third string uh, defenses and he's playing with he's also playing with second and third string receivers uh, and offensive linemen so that's you know in his favor that he's now getting the starting receiving core for the for the Packers I think Hunley he'll, he'll start off as a streaming option you know you're obviously not going to expect him to come in and replicate Aaron Rodgers uh, numbers but you could you know look at look at him as part of a committee in order to replace Rodgers because he's got some good matchups coming up especially this week against the Saints. Now, the Saints defense has looked better, um, but Stafford still threw for three touchdowns and 200-plus yards uh, against them. So I, I think he'll, I think Hundley will uh, be able to post a good fantasy line this week and in, in, in better matchups uh, moving forward. Uh, I think he'll be a good option as part of a committee, a streaming committee for, for owners. 
Jameis Winston suffered not a similar injury to Aaron Rodgers, but he suffered an injury kind of um, not unlike him when he landed on his shoulder after taking a hit. He wound up missing most of the game yesterday in Arizona. Ryan Fitzpatrick came in. So bottom line for Jameis Winston, he's got a sprained shoulder. He's listed as day-to-day. Uh, should owners start to prepare better better options, too, with Jameis Winston struggling, John? Well, I think the the feeling is, is that he's he's going to be fine. He's going to play against the Bills, and that's kind of a tougher matchup against the Bills. Um, so owners might want to uh, get a quarterback, stream a quarterback for this week just to have a plan B in place uh, for when Winston, or if Winston, uh, has to miss the game. So... Um, it's also a, sort of a sort of a bad matchup, so that's another option. So if you give yourself an option uh, as a as a streaming uh, in, a, in a streaming capacity, uh, you you have uh, a plan B already in place. It's better to make that decision on a Tuesday than it is to try to scramble on a Friday or Saturday and try to find uh, what's left on the waiver wire. Jaguars fantastic rookie Leonard Fournette sprained his ankle. The injury looked a lot worse when you watched it live. It almost looked like a knee injury when he stuck his foot in the ground, tried to make a jump cut, and then planted on the right leg, lost his footing, fell awkwardly. Any any issue? Obviously, he's day-to-day. Any issue that he's going to miss some playing time? It sounds like uh, it was just a minor injury uh, after the fact. He's, he said he you know sprained the ankle a little bit. Uh, they've got a pretty nice matchup against the Colts next week. Uh, if you're looking for a plan B there, Chris Ivory might be available. Um, he's been the clear number two there, and he's been pretty pretty great in the passing game, which is surprising. Uh, but he's been solid in the running game, about 4.0, 4.1 yards per carry for him. And uh, this running game's improved. So um, if Fournette were to miss, I think uh, Ivory would work his way into a sneaky start capacity in a nice matchup against the Colts. Tough situation for Emmanuel Sanders. He sprained his ankle, possibly had a fracture last night. That loss to the Giants, it was kind of a weird play where Giants safety Landon Collins came came in low. He was kind of half-diving for a ball as he came across the field. And, and then Emmanuel Sanders, his right ankle immediately buckled underneath him. Uh, he was carted off the field, so that's certainly not – Good news for his perspectives moving forward here. Could be a four- to six-week injury. Any interest in Benny Fowler or Jordan Taylor? Man, I think in, I think in uh, deeper leagues, Fowler is worth a look. Uh, he had eight targets uh, with Sanders out. <coughs> Excuse me. I think I'm coming out of the cold, Anthony. Sorry about that. That's not, that's not good. Uh, 75% snaps, which was a season high for him, Fowler. Uh, Jordan Taylor played 40% of the snaps. He had four targets. Um, uh, Taylor played a season high uh, percentage of the snaps as well. Uh, I think uh, Fowler's a decent uh, pickup in, in deep leagues where you're, you know, you're kind of scrambling for wide receiver help. He did have the two touchdown week one on four targets, three catches for 21 yards and two touchdowns against the Chargers. Uh, against the Bills, he had four catches for 55 yards on seven targets, playing 69% uh, of the snaps. So you can, if Sanders is out a while, it looks like he will be, you can expect 70 80% of the snaps for, for Fowler. And, you know, in some of these good matchups coming up, uh, Chargers Week 7, Chiefs Week 8, uh, Eagles Week 9, uh, pa- Patriots in Week 10. These are all green matchups in our signature strength of schedule uh, metric, adjusted fantasy points allowed. Uh, these, you know, he'll be, he'll be in that, uh, f- you know, 40 to 60 range in terms of the rankings because uh, somebody has to catch the ball outside of Demarius Thomas. The only other injury news I wanted to kind of go over with you is Devontae Parker. He missed the game yesterday. He was inactive against the Falcons. Not that the 
Dolphins needed him because you can just go out in the second half and score points at will against the Falcons, apparently, uh, and also shut them down. <laughs> Kenny, the, the, the question, though, is Kenny Stills. He, he caught four of four passes or four of four targets for 49 yards, and he scored a touchdown. If Devontae Parker winds up missing next week as well, and I, did, I didn't check ahead, I don't know who the Dolphins have, but is Kenny Stills uh, a viable option? Oh, they play the Jets, so would he be a viable option against the Jets? Yeah, against the Jets, he would be. They're 28th. Uh, heading into week six, they're 28th in just a fancy points allowed to receivers. We'll see what, where they land after the Patriots game, but um, it, it's still a good matchup. And, and yes, I would say uh, Stills is. A, I moved him up. I moved Landry up once Parker was ruled doubtful. Uh, both those guys moved up significantly uh, in the rankings, and um, you know, Stills delivered with almost 50 yards and a touchdown. Uh, the concerning thing is just the four targets. Uh, so it's a little bit, I would like to see more workload from him or more usage. He did have, uh, you know, five targets, uh, against the chargers in week two. He had 10 targets against the jets, uh, in their first matchup in week, uh, three. So I would think that targets there, uh, in week seven, if, uh, Parker's out again. I want to pick John's brains, brain, you know, you don't have multiple brains to your brain, uh, <laughs> on the latest RBBC situations around the league. But first, let me tell you about Draft. It's not too late to download the highest rated fantasy football app. It is called Draft. You play in a real live snake draft, but you're done in under five minutes and they last for just one week. So drafts start every couple of minutes. Make sure that you get, get in before week seven kicks off in a couple of days. Here's the best part. You play for cold, hard cash and get this. Your chances of winning are actually 80% better than on the salary cap sites. All new players get free entry into the real money draft when you make your first deposit. You use our promo code, though. It's 4 for 4. That's right, the number 4, F-O-R, number 4. Play for real money for free by using that promo code. And again, that's the number 4, F-O-R, number 4. Get this. Gets even better. Draft is so sure that you're going to love what they're featuring that they're going to off, uh, offer our listeners of the Most Accurate Podcast a full money-back guarantee of up to $100. So that's kind of a nice, uh, you know, fail, uh, safe, safe way to play and not feel like you're investing so much money in something that you don't know. We love it. You're going to love it too, but at least there's a money-back guarantee of up to $100. Just search Draft in your app store or go to Draft.com and make sure that you play for free right now using our promo code 4 for 4 Let's dive into those RBB situations, John, like we do on Mondays. Let's start off with your Packers. Aaron Jones, we didn't know how the timeshare was going to work between him and Ty Montgomery. Aaron Jones finished with 13 carries for 41 yards, and then Ty Montgomery, he had 10 carries for 28 yards. So there was a true even split there in the Green Bay Packer backfield. After having a chance to watch both of those guys and how they're utilized, what do you think about their fantasy perspective moving forward? Well, you're gonna have situations like this week where they're in a they're in a bad matchup against the Vikings, and uh, neither one of them really offer a, a viable fantasy line. Uh, I had to move Jones down from about 11 or 12 in standard formats uh, down to the mid 20s this week uh, due to the Montgomery's return, uh, just because the numbers don't add up to uh, having them both uh, in the top 40 unless you have him you know have the top guy pretty low uh relatively speaking so you know jones ended up with 13 for 41 they both had one catch uh montgomery had a second catch that almost was a touchdown uh he was in there uh with hundley uh in scoring position so i don't know if that is a signal of anything i i do think that generally speaking um 
Mike McCarthy is very stubborn when it comes to his depth chart. Although he did move to Aaron Jones pretty quickly over Jamal Williams, both are rookies, and Williams really hadn't established himself as the the primary backup. Uh, he'd just been running that way uh, for the summer and most of the season so far. Uh, Jones obviously showed a lot against the Bears and the, the Cowboys enough to to get a to to move ahead of him. Uh, but Montgomery being out due to the injury and coming back, I, I don't think that he's necessarily the number two here. Even though uh, Aaron Jones saw two more touches. I think this was par- partially due to the uh, ribs and the situation with Montgomery's, uh, you know, injury status. So, um, you know, next week against the the Saints, things are going to be looking up for both of them. I think they'll both be ranked a little bit higher, but I'm, uh, I'm still looking at probably a 50-50 split in touches, and that's going to kind of lower them both uh, overall in the rankings. Let's stay in the same game. We'll, we'll flip sidelines. We'll talk about the Vikings. I felt like you called this one. You said that Jarek McKinnon was the more talented back between him and Murray after Dalvin Cook went down for the Vikings. Well, McKinnon, he had a big game yesterday. He rushed 16 times for 69 yards and a touchdown. He was also heavily involved in the passing game, caught five passes for 30 yards and added a touchdown. Murray did see plenty of touches, 16 in fact, 15 carries, 28 yards, and then he also caught one pass for nine yards. McKinnon, what, RB2 moving forward? Yeah, I had him at 11 this week, uh, so I was fairly high on him relative to my ranking rankings peers. This was a tough situation, and this is a, maybe more of a fantasy football theory uh, thing, but when you have an injury like we did to Dalvin Cook, and then immediately in that game, uh, one player who had been running ahead of, you know, player two had been play, running ahead of player three uh, for most of the season, despite the fact that player three is probably more talented um, in your eyes, it's, it's hard to just say, okay, well, we know more than the coaching staff. Uh, and player three is going to win this job um, because what they did is they tried to run Latavius Murray uh, the first week after uh, after Cook got injured, um, and it didn't go very well. And then McKinnon um, had a great game. It was against the Bears. And then I think at that point he won that job, but then you come into this game, and Murray's still out there with the starters, I believe. Yeah. Uh, and he still gets 15 carries, 28 yards, 1.9 yards per carry. McKinnon, 16 carries, 69 yards, 4.3 yards per carry. He also had, you know, five catches for 30 yards and a touchdown uh, as well. And I think he had another touchdown catch or another long catch that was called back due to a legal man downfield. So it could have been even a bigger game for McKinnon. I think what we're going to see here is they don't want to overwork McKinnon. He's a, sm- he's a smaller back. Um, they, they probably don't want to give him... 20 plus touches every single game. So you're going to see Murray still seeing um, a significant amount of work. And this was a game where they won, you know, 23, 10. So they were able to run the ball with the running backs 31 times. That's not going to happen every game. So probably in a typical game, you're going to see McKinnon with 12 to 14 carries uh, Latavius Murray with eight to 12, uh, depending on how he's running. And then McKinnon getting most of the work in the passing game. All right, I, I tend to think that this is going to be an absolute mess now moving forward for one specific reason. Let's talk about the Patriots. I'll go go over the numbers, and then I'll explain why it could be a mess moving forward. And, John, I hope you can add something to it that um, maybe eases some fantasy owners' concerns. Deion Lewis had 11 carries for 52 yards and a touchdown. Mike Gillisley, 10 carries, 44 yards. And then James White was the main passing pass-catching back, and that's nothing new. He had four catches for 22 yards. He also had three rushes for 23 yards. 
the reason why I say it could be a mess is Gillisley fumbled earlier in that game and then never saw another touch the rest of the game. So if you were sitting there and you had Gillisley and he scores three touchdowns in the opening week, then in week two I think he scored another touchdown, and you're thinking, okay, this is the goal line back, this is the guy to own in New England. I wonder if Bill Belichick is going to bury Mike Gillisley moving forward. Well, I do have to correct you because he fumbled in the uh, late first quarter. He saw four four carries there on the uh, team's second drive. Deion Lewis actually looks like he got the start. Um, he had the first carry for nine yards uh, for the uh, for the for the Patriots. So keep that in mind. Uh, Gillisley fumbles uh, with a minute and three left in the first quarter. Doesn't see another touch until the end of the third quarter. Uh, then he did get uh, one, two, three, four, five carries. Wow, I was way off. Uh, My apologies. The, uh, yeah, well, it's no, no. It's just uh, you. I was wondering the same thing when I when I saw the rundown for today's show because I wanted to see did they go back to Gillisley at all after the fumble or was it just uh, that was it? Um, it made me wonder because he had ten carries, so I thought he fumbled fairly early in that game. So, um, so that shows uh, a bit of trust in him. He's on thin ice now, though. If he fumbles again, you you may not uh, see him for a while. Uh, but I, I think maybe the bigger news is that Deion Lewis was start, you know started ahead of Gillisley uh, in this game before the fumble. So to me, you're looking at Gil, uh, Gillisley as now the RB two with with Lewis as the RB one. You know, you don't know what you're going to see, though, on goal line carries because Gillisley is significantly bigger. Deion Lewis did have the touchdown um, the touchdown run, uh, but I think it was from a ways out. It wasn't uh, like a one-yard, two-yard plunge. Um, well, it was a one-yard plunge. Uh, so keep that in mind. I mean, we may we may have a, a sea change here now with who is the goal line back for the, for the Patriots. If it's not Mike Gillisley, then his value is going to go way down and Deion Lewis is going to go way up. Let's move on to the Jets now. We'll, again, we'll stay in the same game, John. Matt Forte, this was kind of interesting too. So with Powell sideline, Forte rushed nine times for 22 yards, and then he had a big day in the passing game, eight catches for 59 yards. Elijah McGuire got in the mix. He saw 10 carries, only finished with 22 yards. I, how, what do you make of the Jets' backfield situation moving forward? Well, this was another one of these where, okay, we have a guy coming back from injury, and we have a rookie who's looked well, at, you know, looked good at times. Uh, you know, looking like he's going to be the RB one that week, but really in reality, they they brought uh, you know Forte in for a reason, and he ends up with 17 touches and a much bigger role in the passing game. So uh, it just, it's just a reminder not to fall in love necessarily with some of these third string rookies who end up having some good games when you have the starter incumbent coming back, uh, even though he has a toe injury. Powell's out, now you have Forte back. Divvying up those touches is not as simple as just giving it to the new to the new guy. I think there's a tendency in fantasy football to look at the bright, shiny new object and uh, assume that the old guard is going to go quietly, and this was a case where he didn't. Now, it wasn't a huge game. I mean, it was 81 total yards uh, from Forte, but in a PPR format, you know, with the eight catches, that's pretty pretty sizable. Let's move on to the Ravens. This is a team we've talked about a lot in the past. Alex Collins had 15 carries for 74 yards, and then Buck Allen had 10 carries for 49 yards. He also had three catches on four targets for 17 yards. Uh, I thought I could trust Alex Alex Collins last week. He wasn't great. This week, he did, you know, 74 yards is okay, but 
I don't, I don't feel like either of these guys are really shaping up as reliable fantasy, fantasy options, but am I wrong with that? Do you think Buck Allen has, has some value? Yeah, Buck Allen ended up playing 64% of the snaps. I thought he'd have a better day in the passing game with, um, with, Mike, uh, with Jeremy Macklin out for the game. I thought you know, that opened up some targets for him, and it didn't, it didn't happen. Uh, Alex Collins has been running the ball really well. He's averaging 6.44 yards per carry on the season. You know, he started off with just you know 6.0 yards per carry, uh, 9.1, 9.1 in back-to-back weeks, uh, weeks three and four. And then, you know, he's coming back to earth a little bit now with 4.6 against Oakland and 4.9 against Chicago. And, you know, yards per carry is not everything, but he's still running the ball really well. So I think they're going to look at him as the primary uh, between the tackles running back. But Buck Allen is playing more. He's obviously in there on passing downs, uh, as evidenced by the snap percentage. 64% for Buck, uh, 30% for, for Alex Collins. And, you know, Collins would be more trustworthy as a, you know, like a standard RB two, if he was getting the goal line work, but he's he's not getting that uh, either. So he's more of a guy that you'd look as an RB three flex, where you could plug him in and maybe get sixty to seventy yards rushing and maybe a breakaway touchdown. Uh, but that's probably the, his upside at this point. This isn't a RBBC situation, but I did want to get your thoughts on Adrian Peterson, who looked uh, like the old AP for a while there in the Cardinals' victory over the Buccaneers. He rushed 26 times for 134 yards and scored twice in his debut for the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, I, like many owners, had Dalvin Cook, and I, I needed a running back. I was fortunate to grab AP on the on the waiver wire. Please tell me that he's going to rush for 130-plus yards every week and score multiple touchdowns, John. Well, I'm not, you know, I can't tell you that, uh, but it looks certainly looking at his short-term schedule, uh, the Rams in Week 7, he's got a bye in Week 8, uh, and then he has the 49ers in Week 9, and then the Seahawks at home in Week 10. Seahawks have struggled against the run uh, compared to years past, and then his upcoming schedule after that, he's got Houston in Week 11, Jacksonville Week 12, they're 28th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs, Rams again, who are last in the league in adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs, uh, Tennessee in week 14, uh, 20th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs. So the the upcoming schedule is pretty favorable, just one bad matchup really in the next six or seven, eight games. So um, this was really surprising. I don't know if you're out there and you're like, oh, yeah, I believed in Adrian Peterson. You know, I thought he'd rush for over 100 yards and score twice in this game, then uh, more power to you. But this was a bad matchup. The Bucks had been really good against the run this year uh, with Gerald McCoy there in the middle. Uh, and they just really got torn up uh, in this particular game. And, you know, I, I just saw Peterson's highlights. I need to go back and kind of look at how he got all, all this yardage. Um, but you can't argue with the results, and you can't argue with his upcoming schedule. Uh, the workload's there. Um, you know, when, when he first made this move, I thought he would struggle more running the ball, maybe three, three and a half yards per carry, because that's what the, the Cardinals had been doing. That's what he had been doing uh, in his last two seasons with – the Saints, and then with the with the Vikings before that, uh, we weren't sure how much gas he left he had left in the tank. Um, but now we're looking at probably 15 to 20 carries per game as long as this uh, offensive line is able to open up some holes for him. He's not going to create yardage on his own anymore, but he can he could certainly spot the hole and run through it. 
One more RBBC, and then we'll conclude the podcast with a look at the Monday Night Football matchup with the Giants. Orleans Darqua last night had a, had a really nice game, 21 carries for 117 yards. Didn't find the end zone on the ground, but did find the end zone through the passing game with one, one catch for 13 yards, and uh, again, he scored. Rookie Wayne Gallman had nine carries for 27 yards. Um, I kind of liked Wayne Gallman better as a player, John, but you can't can't debate the results from last night. Darkwell had a nice game against a really good Denver defense. Yeah, he actually didn't score. I think you just meant uh, he had the one target there. Uh, that's that's what oh, he had the it. one target. Boy, I got to clean. <clears throat> I got to clean up my act. You know, we finished. We we did a nice job fixing our our issues, and then I I went ahead and just. Uh, blew it from an efficiency standpoint, John. So I apologize. Well, this is yeah, this is just your resources. You're putting it towards Skype and uh, <laughs> recording it, recording equipment as opposed to looking at the box score. But yeah, I think you just meant the the one one target one there. Target. But he had, did have a nice game, 130 yards total. You know, I kind of thought that uh, the fantasy community was overrating Gallman a little bit, especially with Darkwa coming off of the injury report. Uh, Darkwa got the start last week. Had a good game against the Chargers. Uh, I didn't have Darkwa ahead of Gallman, but I had him pretty close. I think I had him at fifty-seven and four, or no, forty-seven and uh, fifty in standard. Uh, Gallman and Darkwa, respectively. Um, you know, you. I just mentioned that the the uh, fantasy community tends to fall in love with the with the rookies and the bright bright young things, and that's kind of the case here with Wayne Gallman. Um, but Darkwa, you know, heading into this game, I didn't really like either player because the Denver defense is so good, the rush defense had been so good, and Darkwa had kind of chewed him up. Uh, 117 yards on 21 carries for 5.6 yards per carry. Um, and I would, you know, moving forward with this backfield, uh, if Paul Perkins is out, I, I would assume it's going to be Darkwa as the RB1 and Gallman as the RB2 with Vereen, who was very disappointing in the passing game uh, as the passing down PPR back. But this was a game where the Giants controlled the whole way. They didn't have to throw the ball a whole lot. Eli Manning only attempted 19 passes, which sort of explains why Vereen wasn't really involved in the passing game. Let's finish up the podcast with a look at the Monday Night Football game. I guess you're only watching it if, one, you, your fantasy uh, week depends on it, two, you're a Colts fan, three, you're a Titans fan, or four, you're gambling. So, But we will look at some of the injuries. I think the biggest one, John, is Marcus Mariota. I, d- I digged up this stat, and it sounds like he is going to play tonight. Um, the Titans ran for 70 yards and 20 carries last week against the Dolphins. That was without Marcus Mariota. If you look over the last two years, the Titans offense – carried the ball 69 times for 230 yards without Mariota. So that's 3.3 yards per carry. In the 17 games with Mariota, they averaged 5.75 yards per attempt. So I don't think it's just Mariota affects, you know, obviously his own stack game. I think he affects the entire running game for the Titans. So it's good to have him back for the Titans tonight, John. Yeah, I think his presence opens up running lanes for the for the running backs and uh, that, that will certainly help uh, DeMarco Murray and uh, Derrick Henry tonight. The other thing I just want to go back to the New York, New York Giants backfield because we haven't talked about it enough um, is that Paul <laughs> Perkins, I just want to mention this, and then Paul Perkins, uh, I, I honestly think that Orleans Darkwa is the better back there and he should be the one that's starting. And I don't know if the Giants are going to make that switch, even if Perkins is healthy. You might end up with the Darkwa Perkins uh, backfield, but I think Darkwa has earned uh, 12 to 15. Uh, carries there and a little bit of work in the passing game. But yes, uh, Monday night, uh, this was a tough rankings call for me with Mariota. You know, 10 a.m. Pacific, uh, I had to decide, actually 8.30, 9 a.m. Pacific, uh, I had to decide where to put Mariota in the rankings because it sounded like he was trending towards playing, but we weren't sure. And now they're reporting that he will, is expected to start tonight, even though he is still questionable. 
I basically treated him as uh, you know a pocket passer in this one. I don't have him with any rushing yards, I don't think, or very few, uh, because of the hamstring injury. I'm just betting that he's very much uh, looking to make his drops and get rid of the ball. Uh, that would probably be wise in terms of him staying healthy uh, enough to play and continue to play. They have a week eight bye, I think. Um, so they'd like to not, you know, re-injure the the, uh, the hamstring here tonight or t- next week against Cleveland, uh, get the bye, and then he's fully healthy coming back uh, in week nine. Um, his presence will help Richard Matthews, Delaney Walker, Eric Decker, and it'll also help the running backs uh, on the, on the flip side, I think Jacoby Brissett's an interesting sneaky start um, against this uh, Titans pass defense because it's so bad. Uh, they're bottom three or two or three, and adjusted fancy points allowed to uh, to quarterbacks and to wide receivers. So, um, you know, I'm kind of expecting a high-scoring game, but sometimes these divisional matchups uh, end up being low-scoring. What do you think? What are you looking for? You know, I it's weird. I looked at the Vegas line. I, I always like to guess where the, where the lines are before I, I actually look at the game. And I, I figured that this line, the over-under, would be around maybe 44, 44 and a half. And it's all the way up at 48 at some sport at some sports book. So I'm kind of surprised. I guess Vegas is looking for more of a higher-scoring game. And the only reason I can think is that you know neither defense has really been uh, great this season. But I, I, I look at this matchup, and with Mariota back, assuming that he's going to be effective tonight, I kind of see a 10-plus point win for uh, the Titans. I, I think that after... A, a Sunday where you saw a lot of underdogs win outright and or cover, I think tonight's going to be about the favorite. So I look for the Titans to have a big game. Now, having said that, I need Jacoby Brissett to do something decent because I have Russell Wilson on a bye this week. So hopefully Brissett does something, John. Yeah, he'll probably he'll probably produce for you. I mean, with the 47 over under and, and being a seven-point underdog, I think uh, Brissett will have to throw the ball. and He, he always gets some, some uh, points for you in the running game as well. Yeah, he's been pretty good, uh, at least rel- relatively speaking. That'll do it for Monday's edition of the Most Accurate Podcast. You can follow John on Twitter at 444 underscore John. You can follow me as well at Anthony Stalter if you're so inclined. We hope you join us on Friday for more injury updates and then John's sneaky starts for Week 7. Boy, I can't believe it's Week 7 already. Until then, good luck tonight. You got the look in your eyes, smack my butt. Why are all American girls so wrong? Why do all American